what's up everybody uh today in black in my city we have jarvis mcgee uh what's up jarvis thank you for joining oh thank you for having me um what's up everyone i'm glad y'all are tuning in to listen to trace um podcast all right jarvis so uh my first question i have for you is let people know who you are and what you've done for the community so I'm originally from, uh, so I always say Bryan College Station, but I'm originally from Welburn, Texas, uh, before Welburn was annexed by College Station, what we were talking about earlier. But that's where I was born and raised in Welburn. Um, I graduated from Bryan High School in the class of 2011. Uh, interesting fact was before I went to Bryan High School, I went to Bryan Collegiate High School, um, which is an early college high school. And I was actually the first class there, but I didn't, I didn't finish out there obviously because i graduated from brown high um i started off at pebble creek um so i did start off in the college station school district um after i graduated from high school in 2011 i moved uh four hours and 30 minutes away to texas Adam university kingsville kingsville texas and south texas um i would stay there for i would say 10 years of my life um, because I got a bachelor's of arts and communication with a minor in psychology. I got a master's, uh, master's of science in education. Um, and now I currently, uh, live in Georgia where I'm pursuing my doctoral degree at, um, Clark Atlanta. I'm the former vice president of the Hovland Alumni Association at TAMUC, um, a lot of people don't know this, but if you you know my family, you definitely know that I was born and raised into church. Uh, my grandfather has been my pastor pretty much my entire life of me living in Texas, um, even in college. Um, I consider my pastor still my grandpa, and he's the pastor, Reverend John Lott of Webb Community Baptist Church. Um, something that I take pride in I was, I was a recruiter for Tamuk, um, so I oversaw Houston area. I um, also oversaw College Station area, so Bryan College Station. So I actually recruited some students from our area, our hometown, to go to Tamuk. Um, I working, I've been working on projects with Ebony, um, and I'm a proud supporter of the Adopt a Senior, which is, I believe, Ebony is the, the person that is running that. So, yeah, I've... That's pretty much it. I know that was a lot. No, that was perfect. That was perfect. Thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I, Tam Tamu Kingsville definitely seems a lot lo seems a lot longer than four hours and thirty minutes. I took that trip a few times, and it it wasn't <laughs> one of my funnest drives, you know. But yeah, that's awesome. I promise. I promise. It's it's only four hours and thirty minutes. I promise it is. <laughs> uh, my second question today for you is. Um, since you're now in Atlanta, a place which some will call the black capital of the U.S., what are the differences you see amongst black people there and people here in the BCS? So that's interesting. I really like this question because it actually made me do some some research on it. So mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't aware that in uh, 2018, Forbes gave uh, the Atlanta as the like the tech nation. Um, I you know, it's crazy to think that because in Austin, Texas. I think Austin is a tech yeah. tech city of Texas. But to see that Atlanta is kind of sort of the, I guess, the tech city for Black. Um, black. I think that's pretty cool in that. Um, I, 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 I enjoy it. Um, 
I look at it as like a little bowl, like a little fish bowl. So I still get my parts of Texas, but it's in Atlanta, but it's more accessible, I think. Like you have Tyler Perry Studios, which I want to go tour it, but since COVID, they haven't been allowing people mm-hmm. to come on to the, um, to the sites to tour it. Um, you know, food, I, I love soul food. And so having access to go eat at different places here, I really like that. Um, the traffic sucks. Um, I mean, it's, it's uncomparable to any place that I've lived at because when you're stuck in traffic, you're just stuck in here. Um, I think some of the things that I, we have access to is I, I was talking to you about the Urban League of Young Professionals. They have one here um, that I'm uh, soon to be a member of um, mm-hmm. as soon as I can stay off the road uh, from traveling with my job. And then um, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs. Now, I'm not saying that there are only young entrepreneurs here in Atlanta, uh, but there's I've seen it like it's not uncommon to see someone young and being an entrepreneur. Like my barber um, who owns True Culture, he started his comp- he started that at 25 and owns his own barbershop. So it's just like, it's pretty cool to see that because you're like, okay, man, these, it's like over here, people are actually striving to go for their dreams and taking all what you can to do at the same time. So I really do like it. And it's a lot of history here. Like, you know, I did the Martha King tour um, I went to uh, his church that he belonged to. I also got to do like this like history walk. It's like a park across the street where you can see like um, Thurgood Marshall's footprints. I think you can also see like other um, famous people or civil rights leaders footprints and read about them. So I think it's truly a lot of history here that um, it inspires me like every day to like, you know, these people were here and they made change and I could do the exact same thing yeah. uh, by, you know, mobilizing and making sure I'm educating people along the way. And I'm looking forward to being a part of uh, um, the HBCU family. Um, it's apparently, it's like a, it's, it's an experience like no other. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, you know, networking and building relationships and seeing other black successful um, professors and, you know, leaders. Yeah, that's dope. So I've been in Atlanta once, and I like it's like a different area down there. And what was really uh cool to me, or I guess I love to eat, so I guess it's cool to me. But how like <laughs> I love Waffle House. You know, in Texas, you all gotta go to like the Dallas, like a bigger city, to have a waffle to see a Waffle House. Well, Atlanta is a big city, but how they have Waffle Houses like on every corner was just like it was. It was really it was really cool to me. You know, you see a Waffle House everywhere. You see a Zaxby's everywhere. Uh-huh, like, dang, uh-huh. they ain't different here. You don't see as many uh, McDonald's and stuff as you see in Texas as you see in, as you as I I I believe Waffle House was actually started here in Atlanta. I, think so. I, I believe I believe that it is. And you're right, Trey. Literally, so I have never eaten Waffle House. <laughs> Wait, take the back. Take the back. Take the back. I have eaten at Waffle House. I've eaten it twice, um, and I just I didn't like it. And so yeah. I. <laughs> Uh, living here, you know, I don't say that to people because, <laughs> you know, you you immediately be judged. Like, don't, yeah. disrespect, don't disrespect Waffle House. Yeah. But I am going to try it again. But, yeah, you're right. Waffle House, Zaxby's, like, there is, I mean, it's every corner, yeah. literally. You, you're going to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's big out here. Coca-Cola. Oh, like, yeah. Like, man, yeah. all of these, like, all of these, um, like, 
big things that we don't even think about. It's just like, oh yeah, here you can, like, you just, you go out and enjoy it and, you know, it's, it's a really cool experience. Like I, I've never thought, I've always said I want to move to Atlanta, mm -hmm. but to be able to get here and see like, you know, my, me striving to get to where I set my mind to was, has been one of the coolest things in my yeah. life I've seen. That is amazing. I feel like all black people say they want to move to Atlanta. Because once you go there, it's like, dang, do I really want to go back home? Like, like all that black black excellence around you, it's it's amazing. Yes, and I agree with that. It there there is so much like so, it's 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 not uncommon or it's not uncommon to see it, mm -hmm. like, and to surround yourself with it. So you hear someone talking, like at my barbershop, uh, we were at the barbershop. We were just talking about like like how we could better educate our community and it was just it was pretty much a really cool experience because you know you go to a barbershop to get a haircut but you also go there to have those conversations mm -hmm. and they were really in there having those conversations i'm not trying to say i didn't experience that in texas yeah um i've seen people own barbershops and i've and i go to a couple of them as well but to actually see people doing it and you know making that those changes to better their communities it's like, man, this is, this is really cool. It, it's something different here that you don't get any anywhere else. It's yeah. a whole vibe. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I can't wait to go back. Uh, my next question for you is, what do you think we need in Broncos Station to become a stronger Black community from learning things in Atlanta? Um, I think we need more registered voters. Um, I think, uh, you know, yeah, there's definitely. Just, there's this thing that people always say that um, my vote doesn't, my vote doesn't count. And I hate when people say that because, you know, if you, if you work in a, a, um, if you work in like, like a job or you're working, like taking in votes and seeing it, you can see like pretty much things happening differently. Mm -hmm. um, because all people do it is like, for when you say my vote doesn't count, um, if you're voting for something and you don't register to vote, then yeah, at that point that your vote is not counting because you didn't, you didn't put your input in, in regards to voting. So I just, I hate that uh, mentality that a lot of our um, younger generations as well as older generation has um, about that. I think one, I think we need to be more educated. I think students or our community um, needs to figure out, you know, if you don't want to go to college, that's cool and all, um, but you have to find something that's going to benefit you to make you become a contributor to society. Uh, because, you know, not just to society, but to your family. Um, you should want to stand on your own two feet and be able to, you bring these kids into the world. Um, you should want to teach that and instill that into them. So when they're going on, they can pass down that wealth of knowledge um, to to share with other people. So I think that's one of the things that they need um, as well. And I think we need more community involvement. I know that we are, we're doing our parts at a distance with each other, but I think, you know, since Bryan College Station is a college town, it's driven by Texas A&M, um, I think there needs to be more community engagement into the opportunities of what can help our community um, achieve their success because again not everyone wants to go to college and I have come to 
I have come to accept that. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's accepting that, but still finding those different traits that people need to do. Like you can become a plumber, you can become, you know, an entrepreneur, like you have to just really huh. figure out what your craft is and then do, do it, do, do what you enjoy and you'll never have to work a day in your life. And I think the last thing is having more conversation like these that we're having, like what you're, what you're orchestrating and doing with um, um, your podcast. I think having these conversations will help encourage people to, you know, what questions I need to be asking um, my, I don't know, the people that I plan to vote for, what questions I need to be asking like my job and what investment do they believe in me or what they can do? Because a lot of questions that we don't know the answer to are right there in front of us. We just don't know how to ask that question. And I think the way to start asking that question is just literally simply, simply by asking the question. I know that sounds confusing, but. <laughs> no, I'll get you. But yeah, I think that's really and truly what, what we need to do to make become a stronger black community because everyone else is doing it. I don't know why is it so hard for us to do it. Yeah, uh, well, I'll give you a long list of why I believe it's so hard, but that's probably for another topic. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm curious. To, <laughs> I'm curious to know. Well, yeah, uh, my first one is you know like slavery and you know Jim Crow era. You know those. A lot of people think that's like so like hundreds and hundreds of years, but you know when you think about it, as far as family, most of us uh, slavery was only like five or seven generations from us. So you know. If our grandparents were taught by their grandparents a certain way to live, it's kind of hard to restructure our minds to do something differently when, you know, we're, we're really just five or seven generations out of slavery. So, I mean, uh, other cultures didn't come here, you know, and just already had the plan made. It took them generations to get it. So I think we're slowly but surely getting it. But yeah, I definitely feel like we could move a little faster. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. And I, res- and I, I respect that. Um, that viewpoint that you have, um, definitely respect that. Um, but I always, again, challenge people to, you know, I think they, we need to, if we get back to the basis of educating mm-hmm. our, um, our community, you know, we can I move a lot faster. Just, we can, yeah, we can, we can move so much faster. And I think how we do that, I think it's, again, it starts at home mm-hmm. and again, it starts with having these conversations, but if your parents didn't go to school and then if they didn't go to college, then, obviously that conversation about college they don't know how to have it because they didn't go to college but there are available resources at high schools that like your college and career center or like there's available resources to your to our children that i feel like a lot of us don't take full advantage of Um, and again i think that also goes back into the school districts itself of how they're marketing it to the students because I think they have this attitude that they expect the students to know. And if you can't expect them to know if they don't know. And so I think it, it goes based on that too. Like there's so many things that everyone have to, who sit at the table, have to work together on making sure it's made so simple, even a baby can understand it or a kid can understand it. Um, and not just to say like people are, have different understandings, but you want to make it as simple as that because that's how we continue to educate. Again, I didn't know what my GPA was until I was a junior in college. Like, I mean, junior mm. in high school. Okay, in yeah, school. yeah, like, yeah, same. Yeah, like, 
Like it's, and I think that's, I think that's pretty crazy to know that I went that long without understanding the importance of a GPA. Yeah, no, same. Um, I agree. Um, and so I think, and it when I was a university recruiter, it would not, a, I would not be surprised when I go to schools and I'm talking to our community or our, um, and they're, they're just as surprised as me. Like, oh yeah, GPA, okay. Well, I'm overseeing 700 students. Well, you don't have time to get to know all of your students. So I think it's just, you know, it's a balance that I feel like no one has actually crafted to make our community successful. Yeah, no, that GPA, GPA thing is such a big thing. Cause like you said, I didn't know about my GPA until my junior year as well. When I had, I was in spring ISD and I had like a, a college um, curriculum or teacher or whatever told me, was like, hey, so what's your GPA? What's your plan for college? Cause like my mom graduated from Sam Houston when I was in middle school. So ever since then, I was like, oh, I always know I was going to college, but I know what I was going to college for. I didn't know what mm-hmm. it took to get into college. I didn't know anything about that. I just know I was going to college. And so my junior year, my teacher, my counselor, my college career counselor, uh, got in talk, contact with me. I was like, let's look at your GPA. And, you know, I had a pretty decent GPA. And she was like, okay, well, these are the different avenues you can start training for. Um, in Spring ISD, I was actually uh, applying for a scholarship to go to Clemson University to become a, a teacher because uh, they was giving out scholarships to young black men who wanted to become teachers. So that was where I was focused on doing at that time. So I was like, okay, if I go to school to become a teacher, I can be a coach with that. And uh, unfortunately, I ended up moving to Consol and got in a different area, you know, my GPA took a big hit, um, and I was just like, I'll, I'll just go to school. And so I got, luckily got a um, Boys and Girls Club scholarship and was able to go to school with that. I didn't do too much with it, but I was still somewhat knowledgeable to know what I needed to do to get into school mm-hmm. and how I could get scholarships and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely agree. Like, we need to start focusing on GPAs, honestly, like in the eighth grade. You're like, hey, you gained the study habit. So when you get to ninth grade, you can stay – that top 10%, because a lot of people don't know that top 10% means a lot if you can graduate with it. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it really does mean a lot. Um, really, really does. And, you know, I always ask the question to when I would do a presentation, what is the, what years in co- high school uh, matters the most? And they always say your, so- your sophomore, junior, and senior year, you know, that's, it's crazy that people think that, and it's so incorrect. Yeah. The only three years that really matter is your freshman, sophomore, and junior year, because mm-hmm. you technically only need your first three years of high school to get accepted into colleges, and mm-hmm. it's just so crazy when people are like, oh, I thought my freshman year, I can just, like, lollygag, and then I'll pick it up my sophomore, junior, senior, and you're like, I mean, you can, but again, you start applying for colleges at the end of your junior year um, during that summertime. So when you're a rising senior, so, and people don't like, that's like a hidden fact that people don't share or ever talk about. And I used to always tell um, when I did presentation, I would always tell those um, high school students, like, yeah, if you're a freshman and you're just now hearing this, you are in a good position right now. But if you're a sophomore, junior, uh, you, you still have time, but if you're a senior, yeah. Um, good luck. 
Yeah, I might start looking at community colleges. But yeah, stay on topic. Actually, my next question is: You being a highly educated black man, why do you believe it's best to invest in your kids academically? And what are some resources you would recommend parents to look into? So I think it's very important to invest in your kids academically. I just got put on my nephew's um, my nephew's parent parental guardian. Okay. Um, thing so now I get updates on him um, and it has created a conversation where I'll text him and be like hey I just got an email from your teacher <laughs> uh, or you know the principal was sending something out and I believe like it's it's really good that now that like literally he'll text me like say oh I just got a 98 on my class 98 on a test and I'm just like oh that's really good like and I'll tell yeah. him I'm very proud of you that's that's really good and then I'll say that and then I'll move to the next part of like, okay, so what, what about the rest of the classes? Like, what are we doing mm. in those other classes? But I just want to let him know, like, I'm proud of him. And I'm like, I want to give that positive um, reinforcement, like, hey, good job. Really good for you doing that. Um, but let's talk about other stuff. He texted me the other day and he was just like, do you think I can actually go to college in Annam Kingsville? Which I'm just like, oh my goodness! Of course you could go. <laughs> of course you could go to college, and of course you can go to Annam Kingsville. That's awesome. Um, I would like at least one person to um, in the family to yeah. And so if if it's you that does it, I am extremely excited because uh, I'm, I mean I'm not too to my own horn, but the foundation at Kingsville has been laid out for any of my family members to go because I know every person in the position that needs to get you through the process of um, being a student at Annam Kingsville, uh, which is pretty much the same across the board at any institution. But to get back to the conversation about the academic part, I think it's very important to it because, you know, that's where the conversation starts at, you know, looking at your students' grades and seeing what they're struggling with, because you can see stuff that, I mean, obviously teachers see them more than a parent does, but you can just become more aware of what they're struggling with as well. So if they need to stay after school for studying, um, you can recommend that as well. And you can just show your support. Um, available resources that uh, I would recommend, I, it just depends on the topic. Like when we're talking about academics, I think um, if your students are in high school, then I think you should probably just start having that conversation about what you wanna do. Like, is it, oh, I just want to go work a nine to five? You know, I think you support them in, in their future endeavors. Um, if they don't want to go to college, I mean, just find a way to, you know, let's get a trait. What trait would you like to get? You know, just have that conversation with them and support them in that decision. Now, if they say, I just want to stay home and just live on the couch. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. Like, you, you got to get up and find some type of way of making some an income um, that you can support yourself on um, because, you know, my mom and my grandpa and my grandma used to always say that I'm not going to be here forever to take care of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point, we're going to have to sit on our own, your own two feet. And if you can't sit on your own two feet, you're not going to survive in this world mm -hmm. um, of being that way. So I think it's just, you know, having those conversations and being able to accept that if you don't know the answer, try to find a way to get the answer. Um, and you do it together. So, you know, if your child comes up to you and say, hey, I want to become a barber, you know, next time they go to their barber and you happen to take them, ask the barber, how did you get your license? Like, or like, it's just, you know, some things that we overlook and I do it all the time, 
but going off and moving away from um, home helped me to be able to just find those resources because I had to do that because I was away from home and on my own. So I just think we just have to just look for those stuff. If that answered your question. Yes, yeah, it did perfectly. It did perfectly. Uh, but uh, you have any more resources you believe that helps uh, parents would, that will help their kids get into college? <sighs> college and career centers. I think they should go talk to their, their, um, their uh, counselors, yeah. uh, advisors, counselors. Um, uh, I think I don't know too much in the arena of which application. I hear you don't use Apply Texas anymore, so I mm -hmm. can't recommend which website to use. But I think the first first step is to go um, to their college and career counselors, and then second thing is just go on a college visit and go by any of the mm -hmm. schools' admissions office. If you go to the admission office, they're mm -hmm. going to do what they're going to do whatever they can to make sure uh, they are getting you ready for what you need to do. So I would always just call the campus and set up a visit and. You know, it's okay if you and you don't know the answers. Those there's people on campus at the institutions to give you those answers. Yeah, I definitely believe college visits is very important. Uh, I wasn't fortunate to take any, but I did have a couple of friends who took some, and they always would come back and be like, "Man, we went to PV and we love PV." And like you know, two weeks later they would go to Sam Houston, but we went to Sam Houston. We love Sam Houston, and so you know they'll get all these different experiences from going to multiple colleges and universities. That they would uh that they loved and that's where eventually they ended up going to most of the times the ones that they actually visited and uh, i know mm -hmm. we do have a resource here that the reach Pro project as well as AM offers uh they offer free tutoring for a lot of kids that uh you can just look into and uh free tutoring is always a great resource in my opinion uh for school no i agree with you i i, I agree I, I believe exposing your children to um to the what could be their world is a great way for you to let them see that it is possible and it can be done. Mm -hmm. Agree, agree. Well, as you know, this is like a pretty political uh, show. I'm not a pretty, but I'm trying to get this to be a political show where we can speak more about politics and hopefully get our community more interested and involved with politics. So my next question is, what is your outlook on politics and why do you believe it's important for Black people to be invested in them? So, you know, I really support, like, I support anything that you do, um, but I love, I love politics. Like, I'm, I'm a big guy. <laughs> I, I literally, I, you know, people say, don't talk about politics with strangers. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I do it pretty much, you know, I scope them out. And if something is on the TV and I'm at the airport or I'm out somewhere and people are talking about it, I don't do it when someone have drinks because, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't, look, I ain't, I don't <laughs> want to argue with you. Yeah. But I believe we should be invested into, um, into politics. I mean, it's because my thing is my aspect of how I look at it. I believe in policy over politics. And mm -hmm. the reason why I say that is because, you know, so many people are just committed to the Democrat party or the Republican party. Uh, which there's, I, I don't believe in a two-party system because I think both of the parties are as corrupt as in one Great. another. Um, I just, I, I, I think when it comes down to us deciding on who we're going to vote for, I think we should look at the person's policies. And if we can get a chance to meet with the person, you know, take that time and an opportunity to see where they're at. And, you know, I'm not saying that everyone has to do that, but us as leaders, you, me, and um, pretty much any of the other guests that you've had on your show, if we're exposed to this um, this opportunity to 
meet with them, I think we have to be the ones that are asking those tough questions of how, what are their policies on, you know, providing um, resources to the black community? Uh, what are your policies on um, uh, providing resources to our community? You know, um, I believe one of your guests was talking about like, there's a pothole in the street, mm-hmm. um, like being able to know like, oh, this is a person I need to come in here and talk to, like that pothole needs to be fixed. Um, there's lights, like it's just so much things that I think we need to be informed and, and invested into it because those are those are how we get things done. Yeah. That's how we marginalize and that's how we mobilize. Um, so I think it's, it affects our community and people don't pay attention to that. People complain that something is not getting fixed, but the people that are in office um, are the reason why a lot of the stuff is not getting fixed. Yeah. So that's one thing why I believe in policy and over politics, because at the end of the day, and this is what I tell all my friends, uh, regardless of who gets elected, they still represent you. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, um, when uh, I live in Claiborne County, Kingsville, Texas, I'm a voter register, uh, oh. and I was registering people to vote, like, literally, left and right, like, um, in the Claiborne County, um, and they were asking me, like, what is your opinion on stuff? Well, as a voter register, you can't give your opinion yeah. on who you're going to vote for, so I was just telling them, like, no, that's not, a, this is not why I'm here to to give you my opinion. I think you should just be exercising your right to vote, and here is the sheet of paper of all the candidates. And then this is the town hall meeting that they're all going to be at. If you want to come, you should tune in. It's going to be virtual as well. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that you're going to go to for it. So I think that's what is the most important part of it. Educate. I think we just got to, we have to educate ourselves. And again, it goes back to being who we're voting for to represent us. Because at the end of the day, regardless of who you vote for or not, at the end of the day, they still represent you. Um, and so you just want your candidate to win because you know um, their policy and their views on what it is. But at the end of the day, they still need to be doing what is um, best for the community as well. Maybe we won't be on the top of their agenda, but we still need to be somewhere on that yeah, agenda. Yeah, we'll still be on well. the agenda. <laughs> so yeah. that, that can be a start, and then we can work <laughs> up to the top of it if need be. Ex- exactly. Now, if candidate A is who you want. We know we're going to be at the top of that agenda. Yeah. But candidate B is who, you know, if this person most likely you see that this person going to win or if they do win, hey, look, I, I'm still going to set a meet on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I know you have these three things that you want to, but if you want to stay in office, <laughs> hey, like, come on, like, yeah. you should Please still as well. care, care about it, all the people that you are in charge of because at the end of the day, you're, you're the the what the, voice the of title you ran it yep. yeah yeah so again that's what that's what i believe and why i think is important yeah i'm definitely big on uh education and conversation like i feel like if you educate yourself about stuff and have conversation with people about things you know not even saying that you're coming from the right perspective all the time or the person that you're speaking with is coming from the right perspective but you know if y'all could mess y'all minds together and find like a median line I feel like that, that helps a lot. And then y'all go on with that knowledge and go take it to someone else. So I'm definitely being on education and conversation. So now, and the question, the crazy thing about this is these are my requirements, um, is that education is always the key. Like, I think education mm-hmm. should always be the top thing, in my opinion. That's me. And then mental health is another thing. I think yeah. we need to continue to develop yeah. more conversations in regards to that. And, you know, I have, I know a lot of people 
And, um, you know, I've traveled to different states and, um, you know, some of them have legalized marijuana and some of them mm -hmm. haven't. I think it needs to be legalized all over mm -hmm. uh, because I think if no one wants that money, I think that money should go to the education system itself. <laughs> uh, I think so. <laughs> Apparently no one yeah. wants the money. Go, yeah, uh, I think agree. it needs to go to the education system. And I think it needs to, you know, give teacher raises, yep, you know, yep. um, I think it should also become like a, a resource that universities are have already started using uh, marijuana as like, like doing research on it. I think it just needs yeah. to be more uh, continuing that. And I think people don't realize that, you know, these people that are in positions are the reason why, why a lot of this stuff is not going through. And I think they're just so lost in what they're trying to uphold. And they forget that they're not representing themselves. They're representing the people that voted for them. So, again, that's what I, that's just my, Yeah. You know. Uh, my, my mom was a teacher, you know. She went to, she graduated from San Luis with a criminal justice degree, like most people. But she uh, eventually, or she, not eventually, but right after that, she became a teacher. She ended as, like, a biology teacher and stuff. And I was like, mama, what'd you get a criminal justice degree for? And she's like, I don't know, it just happened. And I'm a teacher now. So I'm definitely real big advocate for uh, teachers being paid more. I'm like, cause I know teachers make like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year. And I, well, I think they've, I think they've in, in, improved, but again, I don't know. I think you should yeah. probably become better from asking a teacher, but mm -hmm. it, it ain't, it ain't a lot more than what they were making. I think if yeah. I were to ever become one of my career goals is to become secretary of education. Mm. Um, for the oh. uh, for United States, I th that would be my first thing to um, like. Let's get it. Let's get it. Like, I'm down with you. you. I want to see you there. You you definitely were going to uh, improve the the wages of what teachers are making as well as improve our education system. And you know that's really cool to hear that your mom was a criminal justice um, has a degree in criminal justice, but she's a biology professor. I mean, mm -hmm. biology teacher. I think it's really cool to see that because I think all teachers do not need to have an education background to be a teacher. I think there yeah. should be more engineering teachers. Um, I think there should be more criminal justice teachers. I think there should be more psychology teachers. Mm -hmm. I think we need to have a mixture of backgrounds for teachers because that they have the hands on our future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to create a conversation and they see your degree on a wall and they say, oh, you have a degree in mechanical engineering. Yeah. What is that? And you are able to explain them to, oh, mechanical engineering is this. Well, it also opens up their mind to see like, oh, I don't have to become, get a degree in education mm -hmm. to be a teacher. Like, yep. I mean, I could be pretty much anything and anything I want to be and still like go for my dreams and goals. So I just think I, 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 it's really cool to see that. And I think more schools need to be like that. Um, I yeah. think schools, yeah, yeah. I, it's really cool to see that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cause you know, you don't have to be a lifelong teacher. You can go in the teaching field for maybe four or five years before you go on to your next thing. Or you could leave your degree field and become a teacher after that once you retire from that, you know. So I, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess my last question for you is, um, is there any questions you have for me? So I actually do. I actually do. I actually wrote a couple questions down. Gotcha. Um, uh, Okay, so I know this event happened a while back, but I saw that you and Ebony were at an event and Frank Ashley um, was a guest presenter or guest speaker. Is it was on AM campus? Hmm, Frank Ashley. I think 
uh, it was um, a business. I don't know if it was a business bank. I don't know where y'all were at, but I saw it on Ebony's um, Snapchat. Okay, uh, it was like a couple of Mondays ago. Um, let's see. I know we had Dr. Kenneth Taylor. We might have had a Frank Ashley. I remember Dr. Kenneth Taylor's name because this was my second time meeting him. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I can pull up my notes real quick. I think it's he may be Frank actually the third or he's a fourth or he's a junior yeah. one of the two one of the three other uh-huh. options but I just wanted to also let you know that uh Frank Ashley his son actually went to Tamuk as well okay okay <laughs> that's dope yeah I know uh, a couple people I know a uh, few people who play basketball for Tamuk I had someone I knew who played football for a little bit there but I was like the only, I, I never even knew about Tamuk Kingsville and took I, I took someone to uh uh, football trip to check out the school, and I was like, dang, I never even knew Tamu had a school in Kingsville. I never even knew about Kingsville. And it's a pretty nice campus. It's, it's, it looks small on the outside, but you go in there, and it looks like just like the perfect size for most people who aren't looking for that huge campus experience, but you know, you still have yep, yep. a gym That's right there. You have, yeah, you still have everything you needed that huge campuses do have in just a smaller area. So I definitely thought it was like a good look. Yeah, um, my uh, I have a cousin Trey. He plays basketball for kids. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it's always cool to see um, uh, and have access to family members that are, are on the team, and you're able to see them, you know, achieve and do stuff that um, obviously sports was not my forte. So to see him doing things that I couldn't accomplish on the basketball courts was really cool. And I'm a <laughs> supporter. I'm a big supporter of. You weren't of that family. good in basketball. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not no, no, either. No, no. I'm not laughing at you. I'm <laughs> laughing with you. <laughs> no, I think I did cross. I did cross country and didn't even realize it was cross country. <laughs> um, like literally, I uh, my first meet was like, like I started off in the first and kept it for a pretty good distance, and then I'm just like why are we still running? <laughs> and by the time we got like done with, I think I was like 23 or 24 or something like that. Yeah. And um, I got on a bus and my coach was just like, Joris, what do you think cross country meant? You're like, literally. <laughs> I said, well, I didn't think we were literally running across the country. <laughs> yeah, that's what so. it is. <laughs> I never forget when I got to high school, uh, I had people who ran cross country. I was like, what do y'all do? And he was like, oh, we run up and down hills through woods. I was like, what? Y'all run through woods? It's like, yeah, it's a course that goes through everywhere. And I was like, yeah, I would never do that. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, my second question for you. Well, you what, what event was that? Do you remember the event? Oh, okay, yes. That was a, um, a nonprofit um, and I cannot forget the exact name. A, okay, a leadership and board service event. So that's what it was. Okay. So, that's yeah, cool. it was, yeah, it was basically uh, for board members who are on nonprofit boards and for-profit boards as well uh, to tell you how to be better, you know, board members and tell you how, if you want to be like a executive director of a board, how to better, you know, hold your board accountable and run a board. So that's what that was for. And it was a pretty dope class, pretty dope class that uh, the Bush School at AM offered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see it was at the, yeah, yeah, the Bush, the Bush, uh, was it the library or no? Or was it no. School of- it was a school. I think it's okay. school of philanthropy or something like that, and a nonprofit. I can't okay. remember exactly what it is, but it's right behind the Bush Library, so it was like in that same area. Okay, so my next question is: Would you ever run for a public office? Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely want to run for a lot of public office. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, no, I, I want to run for city council within the next coming years. Um, after I get versed in that, I do want to run for mayor, hopefully, if everything works out. And uh, no, I know I've mayor had some Brian? people. Oh, no, I'm a mayor college No, I'm a college station resident. Oh, I'm mayor of college station. Ooh. I know, right. I'll be breaking down some real barriers doing that. Some but, real barriers. <laughs> yes, <but yeah>. Lord. <laughs> and yeah, I've had people tell me I should be a state representative. So, uh, yeah, I do want to be like, I want to go for mayor about 40, so I'll turn 30 in a couple of months, or next month, actually. So by the time I hit 40, I want to be pushing to run for mayor in College Station. And then after that, I do want to see what it is to run for state representative, you know, and then uh, after that, see where it goes. So by 45, I hope, hopefully, I'm able to be running for state representative and going from there. Okay, that's really cool. So I don't know if I would ever run for a public office. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, again, like I said, policy over yeah, politics you, you. and I, I you know I, I'm really good at you know being in a room with different types of people with different backgrounds and all of that and having those conversations but I just think it's just an ugly game and I I don't want to play it <laughs> yeah it yeah it can be an ugly game but I mean somebody gotta do it I mean I, I, yeah. I definitely want to give it a try no, that's good. That's really good. Um, and then my last question for you is, um, Lennon, this is my final question, is at what point was your eye-opening experience to be doing what you are doing now? Oh, okay. So are you talking about as far as podcasting or activism? Activism. Okay. Uh, this was probably, honestly, only two and a half, three years ago. I had a young lady uh, named Stephanie Poison. Uh, would see my Facebook post. I've always been pro-black even before I knew when I was pro-black, you know. So my Facebook post would always be like, uh, like I guess, so Trayvon Martin got murdered when I was 19, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started speaking out more after that, you know. So it seemed like every other six months to a year, we had another black person being murdered and by the police and like nobody said anything. I guess my way to really vent will be me making Facebook posts about it. And so I would speak on other things that I'll see in like black communities that's happening and I would go into detail about it. So um, like three years ago, I had a young lady named Stephanie Coyton reach out to me. She was the current president of the Young Dems BCS and the founder. And she um, was like, hey, I see what you post on Facebook. Please come out and talk at one of my meetings. And me as like a 25 or 26 year old kid, I was like, uh, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not comfortable going to a space full of white people talking about me being black. And so she tried maybe like two or three more times and I denied her like twice. Well, actually one time I drove there. It was in, I think, Square One in downtown Bryan. I drove there and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I got there and I was like, man, I cannot get out and do this. So I drove away. And uh, uh, the next day she hit me up and was like, hey, can we just meet up in person and I'll take you out for coffee and me just have a one-on-one. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And so I did that with her and she um, she was like, hey, I created a Black Lives Matter page on Facebook and it's yours. And I was like, huh, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with doing that. And she was like, well, I think you should. And I told her I would want more people to be with me. You know, Ebony came, I got Ebony along with me. And honestly, we were looking for another person before we got it started, but um, after the George Floyd murder, we saw uh, College Station was having protests. Ebony hit me up and was like, hey, let's bring a protest to Brian and uh, let's just get started. And so we brought a protest to Brian our first week. Our first one we had is probably like maybe 
200 people at most. And it was like so gratifying to me. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I'm glad we could just organize like this and have so many like-minded people come out and support what we're supporting. And so uh, from that Monday to Wednesday, we had so many people hit us up and was like, hey, are y'all gonna do it again this weekend? And I was like, no, we good. Like we did what we wanted to do. Like we got what we needed from it. Like, I'm sorry, y'all can do it. We'll support y'all or whatnot. And at Wednesday, uh, so many people hit us up. We was like, damn, we just, we pretty much got to do it. Because even certain news stations that hit, uh, media outlets even hit us up and was like, that was great. And are y'all doing it again? And then we are like, okay, we're going to do it again this weekend. And so the second weekend we did it, we had up to like maybe 1,200 people there. And like, that was different. Uh, like we had, I think it was Univer or not Univer, I'm sorry, Texas by downtown Bryan. Uh, we had it like lit from like almost all the way down, halfway down to McDonald's, you know, all the way down to past the courthouse and the street was filled with people and having that experience was like awesome. And so we got media coverage from, uh, of course, here locally. We had some people in Houston hit us up. We even had like Washington, D.C. Uh, hit us up and I don't think they posted anything, but they did reach out to us to see what we were doing. And um, and like I was like, dang, that's awesome. And so like after having so many different outlets hit us up, Man, Ebony were like, okay, we just can't stop right here. So we started looking into more things we could do. Well, I guess I'm almost three years into this now. And and then I just tried to look for different ways I could get my word out, my message out more. And uh, I looked into – I started listening to podcasts more. I listened a lot to um, Breakfast Club and another podcast that's called uh, – let me – it's called Street Politicians with uh Tamika D. Mallory and my son and they are like awesome and they they talk mm -hmm. about politics from like a black perspective and I always appreciate that because you know sometimes there's words that in the black community we don't use as much so they would get their own spin in it and tell us in their way where it's easiest for I guess black people or people who've been around black people a lot to understand it so I always appreciated that and I was like well let me just start a podcast you know hopefully people want to hear what I have to say and I know we have so much wonderful people here who are in the politics they just don't speak about it as much or are in the right circles to speak about it. So I want to give that opportunity for them to get off their chest what they have to say as well as, you know, let people know who we do have in our community doing wonderful things. So I guess that's what really got me started to do what I'm doing today. Mm, that's really cool. That's really cool that you said all of that. I think that's, that's I, I applaud you for all that you're doing. Um, I think um, my big turning point was, you know, and it's, it's more recently because of George Floyd, because George Floyd was actually a student at AM Kingsville. Wow, uh, I didn't know that. That's dope. Yeah, so that is like, it was, it, it touched home to me because yeah. I was so disappointed in how the response of AM Kingsville was so disappointed. Like, I, like, like when I tell you I have like close friends and, um, like, I was so disappointed, like, because it, it took so long for them to make a statement. You have to go through this so many change of command. And I was just like, you know, like, forget forget the politics, you know, had that. What if that was me? Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to say that, well, you know, I know we have we have two different we're two different people, two different lifestyles. Yeah. Of course, I've you know, I've contributed and given them back to the institution, got, you know, got two degrees from the institution, you know, set on the alumni, some alumni board. But so I wouldn't expect that same response, but what if, what if that was me and to see how long it took them to response, you had PV, um, president Ruth put out something so quickly, um, start and 
bringing in civil, civil engagement, um, start talking about having that conversation, you know, and I was just so upset. And um, like, so that was like really and truly my turning point, you know, I, you know, I, I started, you know, mobilizing and calling people to the floor about their actions. If this yeah. is what you, if you want to, if this is your job and this is what you want to do, well, you, you know, there's sometimes where you have to have tough conversations. Yeah, and so um, uh, it, it, I was put on the climate diversity and inclusion committee for the university, which is crazy that it took that to create something like that, yeah. where now um, my good friend L'Oreal um, helped lead a diversity, equity, inclusion position. Like she wrote it up with her committee. Um, we also had a um, George Floyd symposium, which I got to meet George Floyd's family, um, his aunt and cousins, um, which they are just so like down the earth. I text, I text, um, I text him, her, his cousin. Uh, we'll text probably once or twice a month, uh, but they are just so down to earth, and it's just like. Uh, and to hear them talk, it's just like that could have that could have been anyone. That could have been that could have been you. That could have been me. Yep. And it just goes to show that you know enough is enough, and it's time to have these conversations. And uh, my uh, mentor um, said that being silent is saying nothing is saying something. Like by sitting on the sidelines and saying nothing. You're sending a message of saying like, hey, uh, yeah, I see what's going on. I hear you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So yeah. I think that's and now, you know, if people that I have access to. If I hear something going on, um, I'm calling them to I call them to the floor about it. And they do the same thing for me. But, you know, uh, it's it's it, it has you have to do stuff like you have to have these conversations. And I know they're tough. No one knows all the answers. But at the end of the day we have to push in an, in a, an inclusive nation. Um, we, diversity is not just the color of our skins. And so that's just, the, you're just scratching the surface. And so I think that was my turning point. And, you know, that's why I do what I do and make sure I always tell someone else what they can do to make themselves better. Yeah. So. I agree. I agree. I think I think like a lot of people uh, after the George Floyd murder got into this, and you know they were strong about it. But like even so many companies, you know, organizations. But I feel like now we're at the point where a lot of them are like, "Oh, we did what we need to do, and now it's back to living normal." So they're not keeping you know strong with it. So I appreciate you for you know keeping up with it and actually doing right by George Floyd. I feel like I'm doing it as well, and so many other people are doing it. But for all the people who started and stopped. I don't appreciate that. Hopefully they can get back on that course and, you know, try to figure out and fight for true equality in America. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. I think you, you're, you're on to something and it's only up from here. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, thank you all for tuning in to Black in My City. Black in My City. This was Jarvis McGee. And I appreciate you for joining, Jarvis. All right. Have a good night. Yes, have sir. A good day. You as well. All right.